Welcome to Vox Arcana. I'm William. I'm Jake. I'm David. And this is a podcast about tabletop RPGs, game design, and advice for all game masters. This is episode 52, Strongholds and Followers. Oh man, are you guys ready to dig into Matt Koble's, uh beloved, people have been waiting for a long time, new addition to 5e Dungeons and Dragons, Strongholds and followers let's get quick quick one sentence initial thoughts go one sentence okay reinvigorated my interest in 5e wow that's high praise all right david i only get one sentence <laughs> i mean a phrase uh, two sentences come on you can do this okay um castles they're great <laughs> You're fired. Uh, I might change mine to just say this is one of the greatest 5e supplements that I've ever seen. It really is. I mean, for me in one sentence, like, this is an important, necessary addition to 5e that I'm interested to see how 5e is reacting based on, like, like, I thought this would be an expansion they would do much earlier. And that the fact that a random guy who admittedly is a great role-playing uh, guru, it's weird that he kind of took the, the wind out of the sails of 5e and did it himself very, very well. That's super interesting, and I can't wait to dive into it. Oh, speaking of diving in, I think, Jake, we should just go through our document. Uh, I have the PDF open here, as do all good yeah. and faithful backers. I have and, uh, a PDF as well. Even though I'm not, uh, I'm not a faithful backer, but you are, oh. and PDFs can be shown to anyone. So, uh. <laughs> um, all right. So, um, starting with the introduction, um, you'll quickly notice that Matt Colville has written this entire book in a very different style than the other core rule books. It's, How would you describe that style? It's 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 literally it's conversational. It's very very like refreshing to read because it feels like mm-hmm. if you if anyone has has seen matt colville's videos they're very conversational they're very like okay you'll run into this stupid problem that's inherent to the game so you've got to do this obvious thing to fix it and it's kind of very conversational like you it sounds like an expert tactician who's kind of stating the obvious in a way that's just like very informative um and it it really was jarring to me at first because if you look at the 5e content, it's every bit of it, every single word is intentional for rules reasons, for balance reasons, for flavor reasons. There's just, a, you know, a ton of things pouring into why the 5e text needs to be so neutral and bland and rules-based. Whereas I feel like Matt Coble has the advantage of coming from the outside and being like, okay, this is a great system. Here's... Let, let's go to town. Let's let's change some things. Let's just rock this thing. And, and, and I, I love that because it is so refreshing because it has all the makings of an inherently structured, beautiful art, all that stuff. But he gets to talk conversationally through a text. And it's refreshing and wonderful. I, I love it. I would also point out that the style, um, the layout of the book is different than other 5e books and this is important because it's uh, sort of a pet peeve of mine uh, and also breaks some terms of use um, if you are making a dnd 5e product 
you're required to make your stuff look different than the official books. And yet you look around online and there's all this fan-made stuff and they formatted it to look exactly, exactly yeah. like the stuff from the books. And you're actually not allowed to. Like You can't sell that if it looks that way. Wow. And I think, yeah. And it, it blurs the line because you're like, oh, well, this looks cool. It looks official. But then when you put it in play, you realize it's just a janky homebrew that might as well have been on a Google Doc. Um, and they did a good job presenting yeah. it. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm guilty of using some of that stuff to make it feel like 5e, to make it feel like, okay, this is official. Like, look at my homebrew mm-hmm. stuff. It's, it's just like the 5e stuff, right? But this is like mm. this bold um, approach that, I mean, he honestly had to do. But the way it was uh, executed is just fantastic. It's, it's really, really good. I must say, I also have the physical book, and I uh, I would say the construction and the quality of it is every bit as good as one of the official D&D uh, core b- rule books. Yeah. So uh, in the introduction, it talks about uh, the GM approval, like because all this stuff introduced in the book about strongholds, followers, all the kind of additions to the structure of the 5e ecosystem – it's it's kind of complicated. Like it's it's a lot of stuff. It's not just like this kind of snap your fingers and it's a part of it. it it's something you have to really integrate and do a lot of work for. So I think this this in the introduction section he kind of says, okay, this is made for a GM. This is made for a dungeon master to implement, and it's I I think to ward away players from getting this book and bringing it to their dungeon master and be like, okay, I want to do a, I want to, I want to build a keep and a castle with this. Mm-hmm. And like, like he wants to be like, okay, this it all has to rely on how the world is constructed and all this stuff. Um, and again, with that conversational tone, it just feels so natural to be like, yeah, the, the, the game master has to approve it. Everything can be changed however it needs to be. Um, but yeah, this is a, a very, not invasive, but like uh it takes some legwork to, to to add some of this into 5e. And I guess here's where I'm going to pause and say um, what this book actually is setting out to do. Because we haven't said that yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Strongholds and Followers is a custom rule set made by YouTube's Matt Colville um, with the intention of bringing back this, what he calls, domain play. So when uh, in a old school D&D, after a certain point, your characters have all this wealth and all this um, influence and statistically, you're never going to become this godlike character the way you'd become in 5e, like where you just have like the ability to to have a divine intervention every day. Like literally, you're basically yeah. better than Hercules in a lot of these characters' cases, except for Ranger. And um, <laughs> but in the old game, the way you really got power was by building a stronghold uh, or by taking one over, and then you have an army at your beck and call. You have servants and you have retainers and all these people. Um, and you just become almost like a main character in the world. Like you're just a player on the, like a, this the stage. A very of, powerful NPC eventually. Yeah. 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 Uh, and the game changes to this almost like a war game in a way, because you're managing uh, domains and politics and influence. And it's, I don't really know how many people got to that stage of the old school game, but obviously Matt Colville has a, a fond love of that type of thing and he's bringing that into fifth edition D. however he points out that D characters are already very powerful so these rules are going to make them even more powerful in a, in a different way silly. but yeah 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 and uh so the yeah introduction informal uh the next section is types of strongholds so let's uh let's 
go over some of this in brief, Jake? So it's it's really interesting how he portrays strongholds and kind of the, the various types of strongholds. Like we think of, I mean, I, I like the word stronghold, first of all, because it's just a really wonderful word. Um, yeah. But like <laughs> stronghold is intentionally vague because he could have named this castles and keeps or like castles and uh, knights. But like he wants to get, like stronghold can be in a variety of things, and I think he does a good job of talking about the different types of strongholds and different classes will have different strongholds. We'll get into that later. Um, different types of characters will want different followers in their strongholds, um, and so I, I like the intentional vagueness of the word strongholds. Um, and yeah, he just he just right at the start digs into how vague a stronghold is, but the different types. And yeah, I think it does a great job of that. Yeah. All right. So as far as getting a stronghold, um, he's got some rules here. You can either build one or you can find uh, like a ruined building and repair it and take it over. Or you can steal one from <laughs> someone else. <laughs> Which is super funny. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's all kinds of benefits and he has costs. Uh, that's another comment here is that this gives you something to spend all that gold on. Yes. Because even so building the lowest level stronghold is called a keep and um, it costs 10,000 gold and 150 days to build. Yeah. And that's something that, yeah, th I, there's always complaints about like, okay, yeah, there's all this uh, rewards and gold and stuff, but having something to spend it on is essential and I think they do have it with the magic item tables. But, I mean, that stuff is like, I don't know, it's weird magic item dealership. This is, it feels like a tangible, real world, you're literally making your mark on this plane of existence. And mm -hmm. I love that you can spend your money in that way. Yeah. Have, uh, Jake, in any of your games, have you had castles and keeps? A lot. Players have had? Yes, yes. So, okay. um... One, my my characters made at the ends, uh, I think before they headed to Chult, and they called it uh, Fort Lindhurst, and they just made this this huge, it was like this uh, fortress that was over a river, like it was a bridge over a river, and so they would just kind of like monitor trade goods and like charge minor taxes and do all sorts of stuff. They opened up a big bar and a marketplace and stuff. And it was it was so great. And we literally spent a whole session. I know a lot of Dungeon Masters complain about like, oh, we got to do a shopping session. But like, I guess my players love that. And it, it went really well. And they got to do the hiring process of like hiring a bartender, hiring a cook, hiring a blacksmith. Did and they I, do job interviews? Yes, they absolutely <laughs> did. And so I'd show up with like three different types of blacksmiths and they would pick the one they wanted the most and like, or the pick the one they could afford. And it was so, so fun to build this. And I, I did it completely free form. And I really do think it would have been enriched if I had this, uh, this content beforehand. I think it could have been much more uh, consistent and on the rails. Because um, I was just like improving. Okay, this this guy, he's a, he's a weird, like, uh, disgusting knoll, but he can make meat for cheap. Like, you know, like, and there, there was no, there was cheap no meat. real <laughs> cheap meat. That was my nickname in, in high school. But th there's, <laughs> <laughs> but there was no structure to it. And I think it feels like, okay, yeah, anyone can do this. And I did do it. But man, I feel like it would have been so enriched by having this content. Um, additionally, they've they've done Dragon Heist and started their own bar in Waterdeep, um, which has also been delightful. And seeing how 
fun it is for my players to do it without this content just makes this content all the more exciting because it's like it just makes it better um because mm. i think this is an underutilized part of dungeons and dragons because of this kind of godlike nature where your your characters get so magical and strong and beyond human that they do whatever they want they kind of just trounce around the worlds but this brings it back to dungeons and dragons roots of like no no you have a home you have a house you have a castle you have a pirate ship like and that is your home and you can do stuff to it and you can spend in-game hours like making it better and it just feels weirdly nostalgic and it feels like a part of D that fifth edition missed yeah which is super interesting that it feels very old but also brand new yes he's done a lot to make it fit with the systems absolutely um additionally um as he, as he mentions in the introduction if you're going to include these strongholds and keeps and, and things like this you really have to plan your campaign around it because like yeah. for here, if you're repairing a ruin, it costs half the cost and half the time to, cause you're not building from scratch. But even then it takes 75 days, like um, right around what? Two and a half months. Is that right? Um, mm-hmm. And most campaigns that I run, like there's no downtime. You're just like running, running, running. Cause the world is ending and you have to, to save it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so like even the pacing of your campaign is different if you're building a stronghold. Yeah. Yeah, I think that if you're going to use a supplement, your campaign has to go at least 10 sessions for it to be useful. Yeah, because it's about I, this yep. deep investment. 100%, yeah. And and I think it enriches it beyond that uh, so much. Because, yeah, there is this, like like we've talked about a ton on this podcast, like you introduce NPCs, and if they're there for a session, you can just kind of kill them off. There's not much stake in it. But the more you get to know them, it's more important. Same thing for like a piece of land. Like even though this is a fictitious thing that we're all imagining, like it becomes valuable to to each of the characters. And so yeah, it just takes time to build up that that value. But yeah, I think it takes commitment to. I mean, now that I'm thinking of it, like it takes commitment to use this supplement. Like this is not a out of the box. Like after you do Lost Minds of Fandelver implementing this, right? Like this is pretty, mm-hmm. this is, this is a little deeper. Yeah, it's a lot deeper. I yeah. think even to try to use, um, even like a majority, cause with modular type rule additions, you can kind of pick and choose the parts you want. But I think for this, even using the least amount of these rules, it's a big commitment. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and then a little sidebar here is I love how, well, it's two things really in order to get the benefits of a stronghold, you have to defend it against an attack, which I love. Because it's like, oh, oh, you can build it all you want, but it's not yours until you fight for it. Yeah, you have to defend it. It's just uh, one of those times where mechanics and narrative meet and kiss, and it's terrific. (laughs) Uh, The second thing is Colville introduces what's called an extended rest, uh, because strongholds provide essentially like new class features. Um, An extended rest is even longer than a long rest. I think he suggests that it is a couple of... It's a week. You have to spend a week at your stronghold to get back these abilities, mm-hmm. uh, which ensures that you have, um, I mean, man, your game is different. So having a stronghold gets away from this murder hobo, hobo globetrotting, village yeah. killing yeah, yeah. behavior because you have to go home and you have to protect your people where they live. Um, so it's, it's just very different. I don't even know what it would look like necessarily for me, but mm-hmm. it's exciting. Oh, man, that's very interesting because I'm coming from the opposite perspective who's done this on my own, just 
mm-hmm. improving it. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had this, like back then, because it yeah, it just adds fantastic elements that you can implement. Um, oh, yeah, I love the I love the the concept of an extended rest because there is a big difference between like in a dungeon and be like, oh, okay, let's take a short rest versus okay, let's take a nap or like sleep for the night. Let's take a long rest, and then extended rest should give you like a little bit of like. Okay, we've been out of combat for a week. It, it makes sense. Like, that's what I love about this whole thing is the verisimilitude that Will is always harping on. Is that yes. it, everything that Matt has done, you can tell has gone through the verisimilitude test where he's like, this makes sense. Logically, this should happen. Mm-hmm. And I've just made tables or rules or structures to, to make that verisimilitude uh, work uh, organizationally in 5e and i think he's just nailed that portion of it yeah mm-hmm. um all right so let's just i'm gonna give you a basic overview of um the general rules that apply to all strongholds and then we'll kind of briefly touch on the specific types because they have one for every class which makes which is crazy it's crazy like it's so much content he came up with yeah and a lot of these were actually uh rewards on the kickstarter so uh blessings to all of you who kickstarted this and uh let it happen um so the keep um, all you really need to know is that when you build this building, you spend your months or, or whatever, your money and your time to build it. The first thing you do is you get to raise units. And this part, Jake, I have to, to hear your thoughts on it because I think it's so curious. Um, you raise units, it says equal to um, equal in number uh, to two plus the keeps level. So I think it starts at level one. So you get like three different units, like squadrons of people. So you roll on a table. Uh, like a D100, and it gives you just this random smattering of people. So, Jake, do you have your uh, D100 nearby? Oh, I, I do. I will get it. <laughs> okay, We ready? are going to, yes, we're going to raise units for a keep as if we had just built one, and these are the people who immediately pledge their services and loyalty to us. So roll it up three times. So that is a 10. Mm-hmm. So, that, yes, keep going. That is a 55. And that is an 84. 10, 55, 84. Okay, so first we get green light infantry. Um, 55 is... It's like children. Green <laughs> green light archers. Okay. And what was the last one? 84. 84 is uh, regular light cavalry. Okay. So it looks like two-thirds of our army are pretty fresh recruits, <laughs> probably um, from the area, and we're probably the ones who are just like Just like forest children. <laughs> <laughs> children of the forest. <laughs> okay. So, I'd like, Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, it's great because, it, yeah, it adds the oh, – that, that scale that D&D has not had that – yeah, and you can do so much with it. I love it. Then, um, of course, when you have a stronghold, you can train your units to make them better, and that costs more money and more time. And they all have almost a feat-like uh, write-up in the rules. So yeah. that's our soldiers. Uh, you can upgrade your, your keep, your stronghold in a lot of ways. And then he gets into specifics. So um, here's the pirate ship, which counts as a stronghold. Pretty oh. sick, if you ask me. I mean, it makes that's sense. Cool. Literally, our last episode is about... Uh, nautical themed campaigns and yeah the pirate mm-hmm. ship is literally a stronghold that can move on the high seas yeah and so the way he's presented here is the pirate ship is just kind of a modified version of a keep um, obviously if, if it's attracting large unit sizes then you have to to make them smaller so yeah. just small considerations like that well okay so let's 
have we talked about the, the four main types of strongholds? Oh, no, we have not. Okay, so so we've been talking about the keep, um, but there so there are four total. So there is the keep, which is, think, like a, a military encampment. Mm-hmm. There's the tower, think like a wizard's tower, like a, an arcane uh, sort of thing. There's the temple, which obviously is wor- worshiping a god or like devoted to a certain religion. And then there is the establishment, which is my personal favorite. Uh, but it is uh, devoted to a certain goal. So it could be an inn, it could be a tavern, it could be a theater, it could be um, a, a marketplace. Zoo. It could be a zoo. Yeah. It, it's like this is one aimed more towards charisma checks, rogues, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So so we've been talking about the keep. Um, so that is the first one geared more towards. And I love that he doesn't he doesn't shove you in to like any corners but these are just your options um because i think later in the book he says a castle is a combination of two of these Hmm. so the keep is the more military encampment the tower is the more arcane wizards like making new spells inventing stuff uh temple more religious uh order and then establishment is more like uh commerce so yeah it's it's oh it's so good so let's talk about each of those, those four okay so first one, I think we were kind of kind of talking about the keep, like like raising units. It's it's mostly about combat. It's mostly about martial prowess. Yeah, yeah, numbers, um, military strength. Um, and yeah, so a subset of the keep would be the pirate ship, which we discussed, and also the barbarian camp. Um, and he says barbarians are the reasons people build keeps in the first place. And barbarians probably wouldn't live behind walls. They just have this mobile camp that gives you the same benefits as yeah, the keep, and they kind of set uh, it up. Yeah, wherever they need to. <laughs> and so you just roll on a different table to get barbarian units that are um, very different. Yeah. So we talk about the keep. The next one on the list is the tower. So this mm. is kind of the more arcane, spellcastery type. Um, so think wizard, sorcerer, uh, warlock, druid type thing. So uh, what are the options for the, the tower? All right, well, um, so the subcategories of tower uh, is sorted by spell school, which is crazy, um, if you I want it to that. be. Yeah. The, main, yeah, the main thing, there's not really a subset other than spell school as an optional rule, <clears throat> um, but the main thing is inventing and modifying spells, which is the part that makes me so happy. Um, the gist of it is, is that there's some tables you have to roll on. Um, you choose the target of the spell, which is basically... Yourself, an enemy, like, okay, what do we say? Yourself, one enemy, an area. The range. Yeah, so you get it. It's just all the, the, the radius you would expect. And then you need to research. It says, uh, to research a spell, the magic user must spend one month plus one week per level of the spell minus one week per level of the tower. Um, and that just gives you this, this stuff. So let's say you're customizing um, something, and then you roll on individual tables depending on the target. So if we had picked a spell that targets my, yourself or one ally, um, Jake, roll a d8. Actually, so David, pick a spell that we're going to modify. Oh, Anything. yes, let's do it. What about... Do fireball. No. <laughs> let's do invisibility. Okay, great. Ooh. So that targets yourself, right? Yes. All right. Uh, or and, yourself or an ally. Uh, and then Jake, roll a d8. That's an eight. Oh, all right, so that is a blazing. Uh, until the end of its next turn, the target's movement leaves a trail of fire that lasts for the spell's duration. Wait a oh, minute. Oh, I love it, but it's bad. <laughs> I have fire invisibility. 
I don't know if this is good. No, no, I no, I, no, I like it because it, it literally has like an experimental vibe to it. Like you mm. take times, like like making maybe the fire is invisible too. So, I mean, so stuff is burning from invisible fire. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a there's stuff like that in real life where there's like invisible flame and it's like you can't tell radiation. No, it's there. that's called God's grace, David. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I, I I like the idea of experimenting because yeah, obviously not everything you make in the Wizard Tower is going to be like oh perfect. I've made wish times three. Like it's going to be <laughs> like it's going to be like okay yeah this does this but my it makes it better, but the character is set on fire. You know, like I like yeah. I love that. So let, let's roll again. Okay, pick a new spell, David. Charm have... person. Charm, Charm person. person. That is a two. Is that a one enemy target? Yeah. Okay. So you got a two. It is beguiling. The target does not recognize you as an enemy. Until the end of your next turn, your attacks against the target have advantage, and the target has disadvantage on saving throws against your spells. Oh, that's sad, because that means they're like, why are you hitting me, friend? Yeah, it like... So they're charmed. So it's kind of the same thing. It just enhances it, yeah. Yeah. It enhances it. Oh, yeah. See, so that's like an experiment that works. Charm 2. Charm Part 2. So uh, in these rules, if you're customizing a spell... Your, that spell now becomes one spell level higher than it was originally, and you get to put your name at the front of it. So, um, oh, so, that's, I love that. I love so, affecting the world in that way. And oh. now other people can use your spell. So, yeah. for instance, now we have David's Blazing Invisibility, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and now we have um, David's Beguiling Charm Person. <laughs> and, of course, we can name it whatever you want. Yes. Yeah. No, that's so good. Here's the thing. Like, everything that's happening, because I've been in my world for so long, I've done all this. But it's been cobblestone, makeshift, jury rigged. And this is giving me, like, a, a very capable, like, objective means of doing so. Oh, I'm, mm-hmm. so, I'm so happy for that. Yeah. Oh, um, and then, of course, he says, you're allowed to choose a different result if it really doesn't make any sense. Because, like, it's D&D and it's... Do what's fun. Yeah, yeah. But it's nice having a, a baseline system to reference back to. You're like, oh, is this too powerful? Like, yeah, no, yeah. Um, so I think one of the, is it one of the last parts of the spell tower, if I'm remembering correctly, like an observatory. Well, you have different levels of uh, towers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and in one of the pictures, it's an observatory. Maybe that. Yeah, maybe it was the yeah the art. Oh, okay. can we talk about the art for a moment? Oh, yes. Oh, it's so good. Like, it literally, oh, it encapsulates the flavor perfectly, especially between mm-hmm. the different types of strongholds. Like, there's obviously a militaristic type stronghold. There's the, the more faith-holy strongholds. There's the, the weird warlock worshipping the strange idol stronghold. Like, all of the art is just, it does the job perfectly of giving you the theme of, of what's conveyed on the page with the math essentially oh so mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. um yeah and i would say in general it's very good there's a few pieces where um i'm less enthused but overall it's just splendid okay right, so next next temple the temple so what do we get with the temple um i think this is one that i have probably read the least of uh it is just a lot of text but it looks yeah, like I, I didn't read this one much either but i mean it makes sense like this is kind of the the, the holy place for your god the place of worship the, the place of sacrifice it's like you can uh petition your god and stuff yeah they he has like a little rules here if i'm understanding correctly um to have concordance which is essentially your clerics alignment with their deity so the, mm-hmm. the more positive it is 
Um, and then it gives you a little table of like, here's how to positively uh, boost your concordance. Like for instance, desecrating an enemy altar is a plus 10 and the max is 100. So like that's pretty good. <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah. If you help an enemy priest, it's minus 10. Like that, oh. this is fun because this system would change player behavior in it such would. a fun way. Because it, it, it puts a map on it. It makes it tangible. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I really like um, the one I read the most. Uh, maybe it was just the, the, the beautiful artwork for it was the Druid Grove. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, like, because really, like, think of that. Like an establishment for a Druid would be like a an orchard, a forest, like a... Oh, and and one of my favorite things is like eventually when they get into like the idea of the castle, which is a combination of any of these two. It's insane. Like imagine like a wizard tower mixed with a druid grove or like Mm -hmm. a uh, like a a keep mixed with a religious temple. Like it's just it it changes the flavor in a way that any combination can work so good. And I like grove mixed with a bar. (laughs) <laughs> yeah seriously like imagine that you go to literally a forest bar and maybe it's protected by the canopy of the trees like and you just oh there's so much flavor all around so as far as the temple goes uh when we were rolling on the keeps table that was just one thing and you get a, an assortment of different soldiers and warriors it's very different for the uh the temple because based on the source of your power which is uh, celestial fey elemental aberration construct or basically evil demons and undead stuff yeah um, you get a different result um and so it's almost like you you pray you do this divine intervention kind of like the diet version of divine intervention um and you get to roll on this table and depending on your source you get a different servitor that comes out okay so we're gonna we're gonna simulate this as we always do jake we're gonna pretend we have really good standing with our deity oh oh i pretend that all the time but go ahead <laughs> we're going to say we have at least a plus 25. So roll a D100 and see what we get. That is a 53. Oh, no. Okay, so we it, we are ignored, but things could have been much worse. Wait, oh. it's 53, but it's plus, plus 20, right? Oh, yeah, yes. you added on top, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's actually... Yep. So actually what we got was we are blessed and for the next minute if you make an attack roll or saving throw you roll a d4 and add the number. So it's literally the blessed spell. Like the d4. It literally is blessed. It's very yeah. basic. Wow. Yeah, but, yeah, but like Hashtag imagine blessed. doing that. Imagine like doing that. Be like okay guys we're about to be invaded. Like they're going to hit at any moment. This wave of orcs. Everyone go to the temple and roll. Essentially like go to the temple and pray. <laughs> and some of them might be blessed. Yeah. Some of them might be ignored. I love that. Like the flavor of the the god responding to whoever the god wants to respond to. Oh, it just it fits the flavor of whatever cleric or paladin so well. Because now I want to have every character have some kind of concordance score. And it's like, oh, because oh. it's almost like karma in uh, Fallout. It's like, yeah, oh, you stole really is. from a widow? Yeah. Like, that's minus 10. <laughs> yes. Or if you're yeah. evil, I said that's the thing. If you're evil and you're doing evil things, you're constantly like boosting your score. All yeah. right, we got to think about this. Okay. Um, so we did not get nice. a servitor. Um but it explains all this stuff. And then we have Druid Groves are a subset of the temple. Oh, so good. Which yeah, lets you cast certain spells. Yeah. Wow. I love this. So, okay, so the keep, the tower, the temple. Oh, so good. So the last one is the establishment. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like all of my players have been making the whole time. Like when they <laughs> when they're making a 
a stronghold, they're making an establishment. It's either a drug running operation or they're trying to start a bar or they're trying to like all these things like are uh, one of my players like he has now hired a character who who needed a place to work who's just a fixer. And so he just like will will sell any mercenary to do any random task. And it's just like it's a high risk, high reward type of business because everyone's always mad at the fixer like, oh, so great. So that that's this kind of uh, the establishment. Um, the thing that blew me away about the establishment was like the idea of like you can make a theater. It's just so great. That's so cool to have like your own theater where you can host plays and, and, and uh, house uh, playwrights. Like, oh, it's just I, I it's am- I'm amazed I haven't thought of that. Like It was just so good. Yeah, from what I'm reading, um, establishment is a place of business, so it generates money for you. And yeah. they, he has rules here that I think are much better than the rules presented in the DMG for owning a business. Yeah. Um, which results in, I can't remember if it was way too much or way too little gold, but this one's a lot more balanced and thoughtful. Yeah. And, and I, like, I love the, this is if, like, I mean, for me, I've dealt with this my whole dungeon mastering career. It's like I have a lot of players who just love charisma and deception and, I mean, a lot of them want to play a very political game, and this is a way to do it. Like, really, realistically, if you had, like, a castle that was both an establishment and a keep, or an establishment and any of the other two combined, like, you could have an entire, like, probably one through six level campaign in the castle the whole time. Hmm. Like, and there's so much, and that that's what blows me away. It's like, there, there's enough fuel in all of this like stronghold stuff that you can like start running campaigns and political stuff and intrigue into the game oh there's a lot there i love it so those were the four main ones and then they have another section of the chapter called strongholds by class and so they just go through each of these um Okay, so the first is, you want me to do all of them and then we go yeah. back and look at them? Yeah. Okay, so that is the Barbarian's Camp, the Bard's Theater, the Cleric's Church, the Druid's Grove, the Fighter's Fortress, the Monk's Monastery, the Paladin's Chapel, the Ranger's Lodge, the Rogue's Tavern, the Sorcerer's Sanctum, the Warlock's Fane, and the Wizard's Library. See, yeah, I, I, lo- I mean, all this makes sense. And I, I love the, the specificity because... Anyone who's making a, a stronghold, like as a dungeon master with their group who wants to make a stronghold, like they're going to have so many different things they want. And I think mm-hmm. seeing even the uh, the flavor text and the art for each of them is like, whoa, yeah, a warlock is going to want something completely different than a fighter in a fortress, yeah, true. like like in a stronghold. And and that's that's something that's it's really interesting, and it really allows each of the characters to shine their light like a like have their like influence the thing you're constructing to to help them to help their character and i think Mm -hmm. it's really cool to see the different classes versions of that yep and then um these strongholds by class also have a new table that i think is super interesting so before we generated um like army type people but this is generating very specific single characters that i just love so um for instance, the Barbarian Follower table has things like you can get the, oh, let me look at some of these. The Swordmaster might join you, the Necromancer, um, or something more mo- mundane like a blacksmith or miner. But uh, there's one here that is the Hobgoblin Ambassador. Oh, I love them. I love And them. then if you roll super high, you get to roll on the Special Allies table that's further in the book that gives you something 
mega is special. Is this all like, like, a, like the rare sentient goblin? Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if they exist. <laughs> oh no! Um, yeah, maybe you could get like a goblin that's in a different color. Maybe uh, <laughs> the purple pink or purple. purple goblin? <laughs> all right. Um, I, I guess I should just explain that one of the names that we almost called this podcast was the Purple Goblin Podcast. I don't and think Jake we, was really pushing for it. I don't it. think we almost called it that. I think that was the I, joke. We definitely almost called it the Purple Goblin. <laughs> that is canon. Don't you let anybody else write tell it you down. Words. Write it in the wiki. <laughs> we'll release an, uh, a bonus episode on April Fools, and we're going to say welcome to the Purple Goblin podcast. Oh. All right, all right. So that was Barbarians. Uh, the Bard's Theater gives you, and I, and just as a rule, all of these are going to have an effect on what he calls your domain. Uh, which he spells in, a, in an old, old-fashioned way because Matt Colville does what he oh, wants. That that's great. Rascal, yeah. Demain. He spells it D-E-M-E-S-N-E, Demesne, but it's pronounced yeah, Demain. It really is, yeah. Um, but uh, all you got to know is that it will have an effect on your hex and the six hexes surrounding where you're at on the map. So it has sort of like this global, small global area effect. And then you get stronghold actions um, that lets you do, uh, think of them like... Okay, for instance, the bard. It's like a lair action yeah, for your essentially, yeah, for players. Um, and so the bard like gets to um, got twenty. The bard takes strong action. Yeah, yeah. Just think of it like what David said. And then the last thing is you get a class feature, and then of course the followers for your class. And the the bard has all kinds of crazy things that are. Uh, explained later in the book because of course this is strongholds and followers and so the followers are going to be the second half of our discussion so yep. the bard's theater uh cleric's church any any comments do you want to make comments on each of these jake um no i th- I think like like it fits like i like the idea i guess because because when i've made my uh strongholds with my players my groups in the past it's always been kind of whole cloth like it's very collaborative what do you want the idea of like having a uh, sorcerer's like like source of like a font of magic or a wizard tower or like a fighter's uh, training grounds, all of that kind of seemed selfish. Like there was this this very collaborative nature. But I like the idea that each class can kind of shine um, in the flavor of their of their archetype to to make the the stronghold their own. And so I love each of the flavors he he has here. Yeah, there's a piece of art here on page 46, which is the Cleric's Church. Um, and the drawing is of what looks like a church from the Renaissance or even from like 1750. Oh, yeah. Like this looks is way later. Yeah, the big yeah. huge church. It looks like freaking New England in like 1770. It's like it's the beautiful. Notre Dame. Yeah, it really yeah. does. Yeah, kind of. Ripping pieces. It looks like okay. half of the of the Notre Dame Cathedral, yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> too soon that was, no that wasn't a joke it literally that's the art it looks like that. <laughs> you freaking piece of trash <laughs> uh speaking of pieces of trash let's throw some plastic into the druid's grove oh, Wait, throw out what? those straws so that the turtles don't choke <laughs> oh, no. uh yeah druid's Glo- grove is uh Glo- exactly what you think um and it gives you improved access to wild shape and uh you can cast certain spells um, very fun. Also, I like this. Stronghold action for Druid. You summon 1d4 plus 1 shambling mounds who will fight for you oh, for one minute. It fits Whoa. so well. It fits so well. That's uh, One minute is a whole combat. Like, you yeah. get stormed, like the gates of Isengard no, or whatever. I just raise, like, four shambling no, mounds. No, like, like, really, if you think about, like, which stronghold should logically be the most, 
on the side of the person controlling it, it's the druid, right? Mm-hmm. Like the grove itself, like like him saying, "I speak for the trees." Like, <laughs> like the grove, <laughs> the grove itself should be like, and that makes so much shen- so much, so much shambling sense for these <laughs> these things to just come out. I love that. That that's so great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. All right. Next is the fighter's fortress. The fighter's fortress yeah i mean this just makes sense this is the traditional um and this is i think what this is the what i thought the book would be about but i'm so pleasantly surprised that it's expanded more from it uh there's a stronghold action fighters can take it says until the end of your next turn you and all your allies weapons automatically hit but you roll anyway to see if you crit and then like there's another action where you and your allies are restored to full hit points yeah. Which is just crazy. Sick. Okay, so as with all, all things fighter, with all things fighter, it just requires more flavor, I feel like. Like what why would all of them hit? Because they're in an encampment where you train fighting. Like what? I uh, feel like it's like a rallying it, cry. No, it's I guess, like there's but that, that's there's, my whole uh, logic. there's there's some sort of like magic thing because one of the other actions is until initiative count twenty on the next round, um any enemy who tries to cast a spell, like, takes... They have to make a DC 16 constitution saving throw or take damage. And then the spell, See, that's like, good. I, I has just, no effect. I love that. I, but I feel like it takes some <laughs> flavor I feel like it's just, it. like, magical warding. I like, guess. On your but, stronghold. like, if, you're, if you have a bunch of barbarians and fighters, like, it... Uh, also, if you know the terrain, like, you know what you're aiming at. Home field so advantage. So it's like... Yeah, it's like home field advantage. Yeah, yeah, but Jake's right. Like we could we could easily flavor this with so some kind exactly. Of like... You easily can, and we did this in the fighter episode. We said the fighter is fine, but it's so much better if you add an ounce of flavor in any direction to to make mm-hmm. its attacks reasonable. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, um, the monk's monastery, which is one of my favorite pictures in the book. Oh uh, this yeah, fortress built into a snowy cliff. It looks it's like Ra's al Ghul's so lair. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that. And, and yeah, I guess the monk's monastery, I feel like it's so what, reclusive. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is an underrated, we talked about this again in the monk's episode, that like monk's uh, monasteries are kind of an underutilized portion of, of D&D lore. And so I, yeah. I love the idea of like a dojo or like stuff like that with like wooden dummies that like monks are practicing on. Oh, there's it's so much to do there. Yeah, there is. And the flavor is just begging to be uh, tasted. Yeah. <laughs> I want to put that in the, the final. Taste me. The flavor is begging to be tasted. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, monks have lots of stronghold actions that revolve around your key and getting it back or, like, burning it for a big hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, next is, and curiously enough... The Paladin's Chapel has no art, so I think you're supposed to double the Monk's Monastery with the Paladin's Chapel. I would say the Cleric's Church. Uh, disagree. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, feel like, huh? I feel like either works um, because, yeah, the Paladin is this weird mix, I mean, canonically, mm-hmm. between Monk, Fighter, Cleric, Priest. Like, there, there's a lot rolled into, into the Paladin. Um, and so, yeah, you could... The paladin, it logically could have this encampment, like, raging, like, type of, uh, we're gonna kill everyone, like, vengeance paladin. Or it could have this very, 
uh, kind-hearted, empathetic, like just standard church. And so it just depends on the kind of paladin. Because the, the, the paladin subclasses change the class. Like, they change the direction so much that, yeah, chapel is kind of this neutral thing that, that, that the paladin can have. Hmm. Uh, domain actions include um, <laughs> making flying creatures land. Like, you basically cast a spell and they just have to land. Um, Whoa, I didn't read that. That's cool. Yeah, it's under stronghold actions. It's like the second from the bottom. Flying creatures within 120 feet must succeed a con saving throw. Or they land and can't take just off for 10 grounded. minutes. Yeah, you wow. just like, oh, you try to fly into my chapel? I'm going to ground no, you. You're going to fly into it's my like church? The hand, the hand of Arion just goes, and just pushes them to the ground. Dude. <laughs> Swats so them happy. down. Uh, and, of course, you grant allies bonuses, typical paladin stuff, like, I help you, you get helped. Yeah. Uh, and then they have uh, stats here, and there's a, uh, another sidebar here, is that there's a lot of new stats for creatures and followers and things and paladin mount special paladin mount is called the all corn which i think is a unicorn but it's completely made of horns at least that's how i okay what it's <laughs> called an all corn what is an all corn we get okay we gotta, we gotta get, get the bot of this what uh, what's an all yeah. corn all corn uh i think it's a type of whiskey that's made of all corn <laughs> <laughs> that would be called a bourbon and it would have to be made in kentucky <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah true no i don't know what an alcorn is but is a paladin mount that is a large celestial lawful good mount that's all wait, i know wait go to the images i did it's a bunch it's a last name for a bunch of people if your last name is alcorn please write us in and explain <sighs> what the name means i think it's probably like a unicorn with like three horns or something like that all right, so here's Colville's explanation. Oh, or it's just a giant horn. He says, uh, natives of Arcadia, the winged unicorn, not to be confused with the horned pegasus, can be summoned. Oh, so it's just a winged... Uh, unicorn. Unicorn. That's it. Uh, okay, I'll allow it. All right, Alcorn. <laughs> Never mind. Did, if your name yeah. is Alcorn, you don't have to write in anymore. No, but you, you still should. <laughs> still should write in. If your first name is Alcorn, then you're, you're going to win the prize. What if your first and last name is Alcorn? Then that is literally all corn. <laughs> all right. Uh, the Rangers Lodge is next. Uh, sort of a hunting. Hunting. Okay, hunt. I love this. I think this is underutilized. Um, I, I really enjoyed the part in. I will. I know you've played the game. You're hunting the uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, and that like the they have like the kind of the hunting lodge challenges, where there is this kind of comp- you're, you're so you're in this era that like you're kind of fighting to survive but there still is room for like this kind of competitive kill this many things or kill the biggest thing and bring its head back Mm -hmm. like and i I really like that and and i like the idea of a lodge being this um almost competitive ranger stronghold i think it fits the the flavor fits perfectly and i i really like it i think it's underutilized in in general dnd stuff yeah um Okay, so and, and stronghold actions would include um, having your attacks cause enemies to bleed for like a su- surprising amount of damage. Oh, uh, you can create a fog cloud that your allies and you can see through. Um, just you know, kind of a general booby trapped. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. You thought it was magic, and I thought it was booby trapped. That's great. Yeah. Well, it depends on your ranger. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Uh, What's and next? Then, Next is the Rogue's Tavern. Oh, so much information. Oh, I mean, this this is literally Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Because, like, yep. you get access to a tavern you can fix up as much as you want or don't want. Um, 
and yeah, there, there's so much to do. And and the power of information in political type games is just it's astronomical. And mm-hmm. it's it's it gives the DM an excuse to reveal stuff that I love. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, the the tavern, I mean, oh my, the rogue I have in my party is just like his his hands are always ringing, and he's always just ready for information. And oh yeah, love it, love it, love it. Wow, um, stronghold actions would include uh, the coin of fate, which uh, if you're hit in combat, you flip the coin, and if it's uh, heads, you're not hit, and if it's tails, you are, and you lose the coin. Interesting. Oh yeah, it's yeah. it's all surrounding luck. I love it. Yeah. And then other stuff involves like revealing stealth enemies and so on. So uh, very fun. I, if you built this tavern, I think you would really live out of it. Yeah, yeah. All right, this one's kind of different. This is the Sorcerer's Sanctum, which to me seems like a cross between uh, the Fortress of Solitude and the Sanctum Sanctorum from... Uh, the, mm, what's that? Yes, from... What's uh, his name? <laughs> <laughs> from Doctor Strange. Uh, yeah, from yeah. Mr. Strange. Yeah, so, like, I think the art really sells this for me. It's, like, this huge, like, irradiated crystal that's kind of has lightning bolts coming off from it. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, it feels like there is some source of power there, which is very yeah. interesting because the sorcerer in general feels kind of like this nomad, like, hey, man, my power's from my bloodline, bro. Don't have to worry <laughs> about settling down anywhere. And and this kind of makes it grounded of like, what if the sorcerer had to return home to like, like charge medit- up their spell slots? Yeah, to charge up. Yeah, like meditate with the crystal, like in order to get it back. Like, yeah, I really like the flavor of that, and it it's something I was not expecting that I really like. Hmm. Wow. Um. So if you're in your stronghold for a sorcerer, for the next minute, all your spells are heightened as per heightened meta magic. Um, or you can cast three spells oh. from your list of known spells using spell slots as normal, or you're wreathed by a fire shield, which is nice. At like a really That's good cool. fire shield. So yeah, yeah. And, and this applies it in your stronghold or in the six hexes around your stronghold. So you can kind of adventure around and um, and do cool things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like next, we're almost at the end here. This is the warlock's fane. I think fane just means lair. It's got a, a pretty pretty. Burly statue Jacked. of like a Minotaur. Minotaur who's just completely ripped, <laughs> almost as strong as Jake, and a guy <laughs> worshiping this giant statue. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, um, it, it, this one's weird. Yeah, it's a, it is definitely an odd thing because the warlocks, warlocks don't feels like it's kind of this undercover, like okay, sugar daddy patron, give me what I need. Mm-hmm. But like, like making a shrine to him, which I mean, come on, like all dungeons are that. Like, they're making shrines to, to evil patrons. It makes sense. But, like, most of the time, the player character as a warlock is not going to be making a shrine. They're just going to be kind of, like, it's weird doing the deeds of whoever tells them what to do. Yeah, well, it, maybe it's, he, it's Maybe that's that's the request of the warlock's patron. Or, I like, like that. You know? It yeah, was like, make a shrine in. to me. Get more followers. Because, because the, I mean, obviously this would piss off the cleric and the paladin. Can you imagine if you make a castle with, like, a stronghold, there's a wizard's tower, and there's a church, and then they find out in the basement, and there's, like, <laughs> there's a fane to the warlock's Yeah, see, I just God. put it in the basement, and then they wouldn't know. <laughs> and just make sure the basement door is always locked. 
<laughs> just one little standard door. I mean, if I was a cleric, I'm definitely desecrating this evil place because of the, the favor Wait, oh, I Wait, don't you mean consecrating? Yeah. Uh, like well, making it holy? No, it's consummating. Uh, I, could, oh. I could do that, too. <laughs> Whatever mating will require, will <laughs> I like the stronghold action, though, for it, that you can fire an Eldritch Blast at each enemy you can see within 60 feet. Jeez. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's really I just wade into combat, and there's like, just like that's, so many people. There's 40 people the around cleric. you. Just, <laughs> just that's blast. All the clerics that are trying to sniff down into the, the basement. <laughs> In fact, you could use... Okay, so this is fun. Imagine you make your villain have the Warlock's Fane, and this is something in a dungeon. And the villain comes out, and he blasts the entire party with Eldritch Blast, because it's his his oh, uh, thing. See, yeah. for me, the biggest thing about this is, like, all of these would be great for lair actions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I So, I, I think that's, that is something we'll talk about later, after the wizard, mm-hmm. um, about how these can be utilized for evil. <laughs> all right, and so, uh, next... Wizard. Speaking of the wizard, uh, this is the wizard's library, as they say. Oh, yeah. So this is something that I've experienced the most. As like most spellcasters are like, I want to build a library. I want to explore magic. I want to just collect books, tomes. And I mean, really, a lot of it might be for stats reasons. But uh, I've found this very common for spellcasters to want to have a library. Really strange stronghold actions, um, including you cast Flesh to Stone on all enemies within 60 feet and without using a spell slot. Like, Ooh, somebody weird. like breaks into your your lair, and you're just like, no, I'm still reading, pause. You're it petrifies them, yeah. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> he, like, like, a hundred years later, he wakes them up. He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. What, what's up, guys? <laughs> I've yeah. been busy. Yeah. Um, it's just super useful. And then everything for this library is about restoring spell slots and casting spells without using actions or without using slots so it's it's pretty cool pretty cool and of course you're using this to make uh custom spells too and then they have rules for villain strongholds which kind of does what we're talking about here but they give you even more minions um and special allies uh it's it's (laughs) quite a lot of content packed into this it really is and that i mean that's the thing if you're making a an expansion or what would you call this like a supplement uh it's Mm -hmm. yeah you want to have it shoved out and uh, to be honest i did not expect there to be this much and we are just now getting into the next part which is the followers um which (laughs) is the we'll be a little faster on followers for sure so uh, followers um i just want to go through the art really quick the art is so good Mm -hmm. and you see the different types of followers the different units you can recruit the retainers the ambassadors the different people that you can that that will be your allies um it's the art is so good because it brings forth this kind of some of the art brought forth this kind of Game of Thrones vibe of like, you know, there's this, this, I think one of this, like a thief in all black armor smoking a cigarette. And it's just like, oh yeah, that that's classic. He's going to help you out here. And like, oh, the flavor is great. And it, it, it gives you so many different, like, it's not going to give you random tables to make followers, but it's going to give you archetypes that you can easily add a name to and make it work. Yeah. Um, and so he goes over 
just exactly how re retainers work in the system. And uh, just speaking in broad terms, I think it's really good. Uh, he keeps it super simple, so you don't have to track hit points. Um, not not really. And their actions are really effective. So it's just trying to because it's it's really annoying, honestly, managing a second character who's like, so oh, many. Yeah. he's my follower, but like my players don't want to manage two or three characters; they want to manage one. Uh, so he has ways of just making it real simple. Yeah. And then he has just a bunch of pre-made yeah. retainers. Um, I think he each one has three, right? Cleric. No, each one has it's quite more a few. Than that. Yeah, like six or seven. Yeah. And it's like the possibilities of just just name a few of them for each class. There. All right. So uh, we're always flavor. talking about how boring the fighter is. So the the first follower you can get is called a knight sorcerer. Um, they have a signature weapon attack, and they can cast certain spells a certain number of times per day so um like this guy three times a day he can cast shield which is just nice oh Good fighter yeah kind of things. um yeah um what else there, so we'll look at another one. Oh, okay this is cleric stuff um a cleric can get a storm speaker uh interesting um <laughs> he can cast the spells shatter call lightning and ice storm depending on his level um let's go through a few more of these beast lord yeah, so the ranger can get a follower called the Beast Lord, uh, who has all oh, kinds yeah, of yeah, yeah. different beasts. So if he's like at max level, at seventh level, your followers would have everything they can unlock. So this means that this Beast Lord would have a pet hawk, a pack of wolves that follow him, and a giant bear that follows him. <laughs> Which means that, yes, your follower is cooler than your ranger. <laughs> Another jab. Another one. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the caddy for your animals. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh man! All right. Uh, so that's that's just an overview there. And then what? Okay, this Jake, Jake, you know yes. that I'm a big ho homemade house ruler. You know I've been trying to make five E into what I want it to be exactly for about ten ten years now. Well, well at least at least a, a thousand years. years. <laughs> Are those vampire years or human years? Yeah, oh, both. It's dog years. <laughs> no difference. All right. Anyway, so this followers section has artisans so you have retainers that are oh. your your combat buddies and then you have artisans that are people that stay in your your base and they do stuff for you and there's um i'm just going to read the list and talk maybe about some of them artisans include the alchemist the blacksmith the captain the carpenter the farmer the mason the miner the sage the scribe the spy and the tailor yes and, yes and all of these okay like okay alchemist is gonna be one that's a real crowd pleaser so the alchemist comes with uh, a laboratory that lets you make things faster. They make you certain potions automatically. Um, you bring them certain organs from stuff. So like here it says organ, uh, eyes, blood, brains, or heart. And uh, they'll make different things for you, including like potion of monster control, potion of invisibility to monsters, like super fun stuff. Um, and then they give you examples um, with a little character. So like their sample alchemist is Morwen the Witch. Who is not a witch in the strictest sense of the word? She's just a uh, just a pharmacist who got you know let go because <laughs> people died. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, super fun. It shows like what they make, what it costs, how long it costs. No, and there's so many. Yeah, there's so many options. Like like any of the the tailors I've used in in D and D have been incredible. They've been, just been so like the players have laughed and it's been hilarious how they're like kind of fitting the the players. There's so much role play to be had there. And like we said earlier, this adds to the 
the more times you interact with them, it adds to the nostalgia, it adds to the empathy, it adds to the care of the entire stronghold. Because these are all memorable characters that are stored here. Okay. Um, they have a big section of the book called The Siege of Castle Rand. Which, which they is... did not have to add. Like, they added <laughs> no. an entire... Uh, an entire adventure in here, which uh, I mean, come on, they're pa- they're jam packing this thing with content. Yeah, because if they had omitted this completely, I would be perfectly happy with this Same. product. Well, um, even though, yeah, but, yeah. So they give you like a really nice adventure, and uh, and it ends with a battle in uh, a stronghold. So it's just super duper. Recommend it. Yeah, yeah. No spoilers, but um, yeah. <laughs> at the end, don't you like kind of have the option to uh retrofits or like like expand on the current stronghold that you took yes so it's uh the adventure is called the siege of castle rend and you actually have a chance to defend castle rend and then take it for yourself yeah uh, and they explain how to do that because it's using the rules from this very book yeah okay so this is where Okay, so the next part of the, the book is called The Appendices. Normally, you go, okay, there's like 10 pages left because that's what appendices are for. Not There's not a lot of content in here. But you can tell that Matt Colville got so much money from the Kickstarter mm-hmm. that every stretch goal was just smashed through that this is where all the bonus content is packed into mm-hmm. This is the monsters. This is the kind of the warfare a little bit, like the items. Oh, so okay. So let's 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 start in the appendices, the final the final portion of the book. Monsters, monstrous, beautiful, crazy monsters. The art oh, is, so this is yeah, spectacular. This is the appendices, very evocative. It's, it's insanely good. It's like I'm mad. Like I'm, I look at it and I go, "What the fuck? This is and so all the, good." All the creatures are so just bizarre and out there, and I love it because it's easy to have like, "Oh, this is like a humanoid goblin," whereas there's like just a wheel that's just time, and it's just like hands oh gripping at the God, center. Yeah, I'm just like, like "What is this spectral uh, yeah. construct thing?" Yeah. So okay, will. In the prelude to us recording this episode, Will looked at some of the random monsters from D&D Beyond, and he came across something called the Spirit Troll. (laughs) And he saw that and was like, okay, this is the problem with, like, Monster Manual number four is because you can just be like, okay, now we have a Spirit Troll. (laughs) And it just feels... Like, hack and dumb, and, like, why is this, like, it's, it's hard. Once a universe is established, once 5e is established, it's very hard to find openings of, like, how to make new creatures. But, I think, holy hell, did Matt Colville do the best thing possible. Yeah. And he has found those openings of where to include, uh, new monsters and especially new deities like he's included uh the the, the main two things is the the gemstone dragons oh, which yes. holy hell are they're a staple of what third edition D? Oh, i don't know i think they are i mean i think they were in like one of the the million uh additions to third edition <laughs> um but then his his main thing of like having this kind of i don't know is this his personal pantheon or i i don't know what it is but it this pantheon of gods 
is I mean it's 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 good, but the art is amazing. And it's so different the art, than the, the 5e art. Like it is. It's, it's a very so, it's, it's a kind of different aesthetic design. And it's really good. It's astounding. Like, oh my god. I am obsessed with it. To to the point where I am probably gonna use it for like I'm obviously I have my own Pantheon, but there's some art that I'm like, this this is what I imagine my god of light or my uh goddess of death looks like. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, totally fresh take. Um once again, if he had not included this, I would have probably been fine. But this is one of the coolest parts of the whole book. It's just the art and probably the stats too. I haven't used these yet. Um, so he has several categories of monsters, uh, demons, and devils. But then he has the celestial court, which is his take on these divine beings that are so far out there. Uh, it's not like nothing I've seen before. The court of all yeah. flesh are like some genuinely really disgusting looking uh, monsters. Um, the Court of Arcadia is, I guess, his take on the Fae, but with a much more scary and alien edge than you see in the uh, Monster oh, Manual. Yeah. I love the Inexorables. Yeah. Oh, yes. Because it's oh. like super sci-fi stuff. Yeah, the Inexorables yeah. are like this time-traveling, uh, f- like, like if you mess with reality, thing. they will come for you. And they, yeah, it's 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 i feel like it's a better take on D D 5e's like uh what are those constructs that like show oh the freaking modrons yeah the modron it literally feels like a better version of the modrons yeah the inexorables uh, represent different just cosmic forces so their names are space death change fate time which is just like this terrifying spinning wheel uh nature yeah. and uh yeah just nature so and they look like uh, nothing so... you've seen Okay, so so Matt Colville, his okay, so I've I've listened to a lot of his stuff recently to prepare for this, and his whole thing is like I've always been a fan of him, but but his whole thing in regards to production and like trying to make money mm-hmm. is he said I want to go the opposite route of like Wizards of the Coast, where it's like okay, we have a brand, let's make the brand relatable. He is saying like okay, I am a person, I am relatable. Now here is my brand. Hmm. And I think he's done a very good job of this, especially with the short stories in the monster manual. They're about the gemstone dragons and stuff. Like, oh my gosh. Like they're, they're so very obviously like intentionally very fantasy oriented, but like, oh my gosh, they hit just like the flavor text of, of 5e does. Yeah. Um Yeah. And it's it's so good, like, and th- that's the whole thing. Like, he, a lot of times you see flavor text, like whatever. But like, this is a flavor text. You see it, you read it, and you go, oh, like I have a better understanding of the context of what kind of being, what kind of creature this is. Yeah, oh, he has fantastic. Um, there is, I guess, you could call it a short story. It's um, probably ten or fifteen pages long, kind of interspersed between the monster manual section of the book. I haven't read all of it, but what I have read is interesting because it presents a lot of his world and these monsters in a way that's more accessible because you're reading a story instead yeah, of having to, yeah. to digest a bunch of you lore. You feel like you're one of the characters, yeah. Uh, the very last part of the book is Warfare, which, uh, what, <laughs> interestingly, every part of the Warfare chapter is open game content, meaning that he wants this to be the standard upon which 
all other warfare stuff is built for 5e bold claim really bold and i think it's actually pretty good i've um i mean he's exploiting a niche that is not fulfilled by the 5e canon right and so i think all the power to him and so he has all the stats and things and honestly this is probably beyond where my interest would go but it fits in nicely with the strongholds and followers i believe that he's making a follow-up book called uh it's called warfare and kingdoms Kingdoms and warfare Warfare, yeah well it's an easy way to do mass combat and to like lead an army, which mm-hmm. there's no way to feasibly like do that aside from narrative. I mean, because it's, in cause it's insane. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't. It's so wouldn't huge. And this way, so, okay. it is actually like a method for doing that. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so the monster manual stuff, the the pantheon of gods stuff, the art, I mean, just astoundingly delicious. <laughs> um. So okay, last thing, you guys, do you have anything else you want to add before we go into? I'd love to do like a final, just like five star scale rating of this thing. Uh, well, the very last section is the new items, and so he's made just a bunch more magic okay. items. Yeah, and, yeah. And he's just this book is so stuffed with stuff, and none of it feels like filler. Like very often, I'll be going through the DMG, and I'm like, uh, I probably could have edited. Okay, they got yeah, they, they got to add page numbers. Yeah, yeah. So okay. That we've been over every portion of of the Strongholds and Followers book, the supplement, as much as we can. So now it's time to give our final rating. So we'll do it on a five-star scale. Will, I think you should go first. Okay. Yes. Um, so I'm going to be a little categorical. You guys don't have to do this because obviously we're not really a review show. Um, also I should, I should mention we are not being paid to do this. This is not an advertisement. This is just us going through something Speak that yourself, we really Matt wanted. Colville has paid me $2 million. <laughs> <laughs> that must be nice. Um, so any, any, uh, outcomes here just let, you know, to know we are not influenced in any way. Maybe we should have said that at the start of the show, but you know, we're just being enthusiastic. Uh, Jake, fans. cut that and put that at the start. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, right. Matt Colville's paying David too. <laughs> oh, everyone's paid. All right. So. I'm going to talk about the presentation of the book, uh, which I think is solid. Um, I can't think of any way to make it better, so I'm going to say five out of five. Um, wow. The yeah. usefulness of the book, book, I think, is, for me, almost entirely useful, assuming you want to structure a campaign around this type of play. Um, personally, I will not be using all of this, and, and I'm not sure if I'll ever get to use all of it. So um, I think the monsters are useful, the magic items are useful. Uh, warfare rules, I'm just not going to use. Um but the stronghold rules, I will either be taking pieces or pieces of varying sizes from that. So I'm going to give that a, say, a four out of five for that. Okay. The, even the parts that I don't like, I still yeah. love. Like, so it's great. For sure. And then overall, I just, I love the book. I love everything about it. I love Matt Colville. Um, let me give it a five out of five. There we go. All right, David. So I think that this is a five out of five product. <laughs> okay. Now, Whoa. I would like to add more context into that uh, statement. So, I think that if you plan on using the strongholds and followers rules, like if you really want more in-depth follower rules or stronghold castle rules, or you really like having extra and creative monsters, or you want mass combat rules or new items, like all of those things are just generally useful and are particularly useful in long-term campaigns where this stuff will come into play. But 
if you're not running long-term campaigns and you run a lot of one-shots, you're probably not going to find as much use out of this product. Yeah. The product yeah. itself is amazing yeah. for what it does. It does everything well. It's like concise and brief and the explanations. And, and yet it's very dense, full of just quality information that you're going to want to add into your games. So it's an amazing product. It's just if you're not playing very often or you're not playing in a long-term campaign, you might not find as much use out of it as other people. But if you do run those types of games, this product is just going to be an immense help. For sure. So that's just my short review. Okay, so my review, um, I think... I'll do pros and cons. The pro, I I mean, there's a ton of pros. I think the the tone, the conversational tone is immensely helpful. It feels like it's a really, really, really good Dungeon Master uh, imparting wisdom onto whoever's reading. Um, I think that's a really nice thing to have. Um, the art is amazing. Uh, it, all the stuff, all, all like literally all the mechanical stuff is so perfect and essential and it it as an objective means of production that i have not used even though i've done the stuff that he's he's shown in the book i've done it in kind of a sloppy haphazard like okay yeah i guess that's a hundred gold right like he is like giving charts and graphs and i think that that's that objective stuff is is necessary um i think that's really great okay the cons so the will you mentioned the medieval style of the the design of it mm-hmm. is very medieval. Mm-hmm. There's like kind of a, a an off white color behind everything, um, which I have not read the actual book. But will is that in the actual book? Like the off white color, mm-hmm. it feels like it feels like it feels like medieval parchment. Yes, it's, and it's that is exactly. And I love that. That that's really good. The medieval portion of it is delightful artistically, but for me, who's been running in like a weird late renaissance type of campaign where there's gunpowder and there's muskets and there's like the cannons, like all these things, I'm going to have to do a little bit of work to fit that into the, the, the charts and the styles because it's very, as you can tell, Matt Colville is very historical and he knows what period he assumes D&D always takes place in. I'll, I'll have to do some some changing to that. Um, the last thing is that Matt Colville has written in his notes, like literally in the, the, the what do they call it, the sub notes, like there are portions of this book that like you, you can't have access to until the next book, which is Kingdoms and, was it Kingdoms and Conquest or Kingdoms and Kingdom Organizations? Conquest, yeah. Kingdoms and Warfare, which will be, I'm, I'm assured it will be a great book, and I, I, I have complete confidence in him after doing this, this exceptional book. But it's just tough to read a book being like, okay, in order to get this part of it, you have to read the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of all that, I'm gonna give it a 4.5 Ooh. out of five stars. And you hear the thunder in the background because it is thunderstorming here. Just the sheer amount. Like, I did not expect someone who's not Wizards of the Coast to produce this amazing material. And, I mean, God, like, we, God, we play D&D a lot, all three of us. You guys, 5 out of 5, 5 out of 5, 5 out of 5, 5 out of 5. I mean, come on. He has nailed it. So I just want to say, like, if you're on the fence, I feel like if you're going to play with anyone that will get above level 3, this is a book worth buying. Well, I think that's it. 
Thank you for listening to Vox Arcana episode 52. I'm William. I'm Jake. And I'm David. We'll see you next time. So if you guys want to hear more from us, you can follow us on social media. Our Twitter and Facebook are going to be at Vox Arcana Pod and at Vox Arcana Podcast. And then our Instagram is at Vox Arcana Podcast as well, where we post funny memes and other dank things. And then if you have any questions, you can email us at voxarcanapodcast at gmail.com.